Hello, I'm Phil Svitek, 360 Creative Coach, and welcome to my vlog, where it is both my mission and my pleasure to highlight my creative journey in hopes of inspiring you, giving you specific takeaway. All that way, your journey can be at least a little bit easier. Now, before I fully get into things, I would like to take the opportunity to invite you to subscribe if you haven't already. That way you get all the various lessons and episodes that I put out right when I put them out. Thank you if you just did, and thank you if you already were. It truly does mean a lot to me, as I hope it does to you. Which, by the way, at this point, there's literally over 1,500 episodes that I've done that um, each of them uh, you know, has something to offer for everybody, right? Not all 1,500 will be of benefit to you, but I think the nice part is you can pick and choose which ones you feel apply to you. Um, and that's why I run the gamut. It's also kind of why I call myself the 360 Creative Coach because there's so many um, aspects that I do cover um, that are beneficial for creatives and so forth. The overarching theme of this vlog really is the idea of turning pain into purpose. Um, I think that's a good summation because, you know, a lot of times we all deal with various shit in our lives. And that can be both our professional lives as well as our personal lives. And, you know, um, the reason I call myself a 360 creative coach is because, you know, I think there's a lot of artists out there who focus on just bettering their art without also, you know, focusing on their personal life, which part of that is their mental fortitude, right? You know, through therapy, meditation, um, you know, friendships and so forth, just all those aspects of just life. And by not you know, making those a priority, they end up crumbling. And, you know, for me, I've, certain, I've certainly been in those situations, which is why I know the importance of that. And um, that's why, for me, the pain of having gone through that, um, I have found as purpose to, you know, share with you and others to not have it be that way for you so you can avoid the mistakes that I have, right? And I think that's um, the ideal for a lot of us, right? I mean, I stand on, on on the shoulders of giants that have come before me that have turned their pain into purpose. And whether it's podcasts, books, you know, movies, both nonfiction and, and narrative and yada, 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 right? Um, or just individual conversations, you know, uh, all of that stuff helps, right? You know, we all need um, people, and I use the word people in that broad sense, as I mentioned, to encompass all of this, um, to help guide us on our path, you know? Um, and, you know, purpose in this sense is, allows us to be then solution-oriented because it gives us that perspective. Um, and I think, you know, on a, on a larger scale, ultimately, you know, I think what upsets me about a lot of self-help, uh, quote-unquote, movements is that they normalize narcissistic and ego uh, tendencies um, when the real purpose of any spiritual path, and that can also be religion and so forth, is to help heal others, you know, by healing yourself. By healing yourself, you help heal the whole. And you can be there for other people um, as opposed to, you know, a lot of people use it as a way to shun the world away. And I, I don't think that's 
that's the purpose. And so, you know, in that way, I want to utilize uh, my hardships and my journey um, for a benefit to you, for the purpose, right? And let me just kind of start with a story um, that, um, that one of my mentors used to tell me um, that I think kind of encapsulates the frustration for a lot of people. Um, while also offering some hope. I, uh, it's a very weird story, but let me tell it to you, right? So, you know, there's this guy, and he's driving on the highway, and uh, this, a couple of mob bot guys pull him over, right? And um, they tell him, get out of the car right now. Um, and they draw a circle into um, the sand, and they're like, stay in this circle, right? And so... He's in the circle, and while he's standing in the circle, they all of a sudden, you know, they're taking a bat and stuff like that to his car and just destroying it, um, making a mess of it, right? And after, like, just beating it to shit, essentially, they turn to him, and he's laughing. And they're like, what the hell? What the hell's wrong with you? Why are you laughing? We just destroyed your car. Um, and he's laughing, and it says... Because while you guys were doing that, I stepped outside of the circle three times. And, you know, the reason why this sort of resonates in the way that it does for me and why I chose to highlight it is because I think um, a lot of modern day life can feel very restrictive. We don't get enough time to work on our uh, creative projects. Um, we're oftentimes overworked, um, you know, trying to make ends meet. We don't get to spend time with friends and family, um, things of that nature. And, you know, the joy, we need to essentially find the joy in very small things, a.k.a., you know, stepping outside the circle three times, um, which can seem rather depressing. And certainly that's not what I'm proposing as the solution. But I think, um, you know, I guess I highlight it as a step um, towards that direction because unfortunately, you know, um, I do know many people that are stifled by every day. Like it's, it can be a tough world out there, you know? Um, and I'm very grateful for the things that, that I have in my life. And, you know, even so like there, there's hardships along the way and it can feel very conflated to speak about those when I have friends you know, just even in the past weeks that have been laid off, um, that are going through health issues and, you know, things of that nature. But, um, you know, number one, uh, I think, you know, to do a pain comparison is not healthy for anybody um, because it ultimately it's, I'll highlight kind of the things that I've been dealing with, but it's not like, you know, um, that my frustrations are any more or less valid than theirs. Um, and furthermore, um, you know, as I said, part of everything is not to, um, is to highlight that pain and turn it into purpose. So for me, you know, with the stuff that I'm going to talk about, um, you know, I'm finding ways to be solution oriented. And also, you know, by being able to recognize various things, I, I, I can have and maintain an overall um, joyous state, aka step outside of the circle, um, 
and utilize my stepping outside the circle, if you will, to, uh, to, to help benefit others, you know, with the people that I know in my life that are dealing with very, um, you know, um, very big things because I'm not in that position and don't have that stress, I'm able to take a bird's eye view and really help them navigate beyond like, hey, it'll be okay. Like, no, you know, trying to create action steps um, with them, you know, so it's not just me dictating stuff, but also, you know, doing what I can to be a benefit to them. Um, And again, that's what I think the real purpose of all of self-help is. So that way we can be there as a collective to help each other and pick each other up in those moments. And that's why, you know, um, if I was down and sad, that benefits nobody. You know, I do, I do the individualistic improvements so that way I can be there for other people. And, you know, um, that's, that's the real point of all of this. So, you know, when I talk about my frustrations that I've been hinting at, just in this past couple of weeks, really, um, it's just been a lot of work, um, you know, and just expectations and so forth um, in a way that hasn't been the case. And, you know, um, there's things that I identify that I allow to happen to get in that position. Um, and also people just took advantage and things of that nature. And, you know, not that they were ill-intentioned, but, um, yeah, it just kind of culminated into a lot of, a lot of work, right? And so, you know, I joked with my friends, rather than turn into, rather than this be like the origin story of me becoming the Grinch during the holidays, I was like, okay, I'm going to utilize that moving forward. One of the, one of the steps for the new year that I took was, you know, with people that I work with, um, on a, on a, side basis, so not my primary work, um, I've created blackout dates for. So, you know, I did an episode about this, but essentially what it is is, you know, these are the dates that I essentially am unavailable. And, you know, we can create solutions where we pre-tape, pre-edit, I can find a fill-in and all that. So you're not hung out to dry, but I personally will be unavailable, even, even if it's an emergency, right? Like I think, A, we conflate what an emergency actually is. You know, um, but even if like it is the worst emergency, I'm just, you know, I think um, we have to have the trust that people can handle it because most times they can. Right. Um, And so, you know, that was a step forward that I took. Um, You know, I also at my primary job, you know, I requested with the people that I work with, I said, hey, you know, for Fridays, is it possible to avoid recordings, you know? And this is an aspect that I know I can't, like, enforce. I can't, you know, ultimately, you know, enact this. But, you know, these are good people that I work with. And I said, you know, like, I would really like to, this year, you know, as I kind of highlighted to them, like, it's almost like a maker versus manager thing for me. And, you know, having just recordings off the table on Friday will allow me to really catch up, you know, and, 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 do a lot of work. Um, so if possible, let's take that off, you know, if we can take that off the table. And they were very agreeable, which is great. And I also said to them, like, listen, I get it. You know, there's certain guests that uh, Fridays, you know, some, a lot of times for people, it's like the chill day. So most, you know, for them doing a podcast recording on a Friday feels like the natural day. 
Um, and if it's completely unavoidable, then yes, I understand, you know, uh, completely like put it on the books, you know, but even if it just alleviates some of that, then, then great, you know, I think, um, that helps. And so they understood and they were very, um, accepting of that fact. So, you know, just again, rather than be frustrated and like take it out on people rather than say the wrong thing to the people that I work with, you know, it was very much like, okay, you know, what is the frustration? What is the, what is the root of the frustration and what can be done to help that? You know, um, another aspect sort of being, you know, this past week I filled in for a coworker and in many ways I was set up for failure. Um, I really was. Um, and, but, you know, as frustrating as it was, um, you know, I now look back on that experience and I can look at it of like, okay, well, what, what's the purpose in this? And, and for me, you know, after all, like one of my greatest geniuses is problem solving and also creating systems and, and so forth, right? And that, like when I talk about problem solving, you know, one of the tools to fix a problem for me is always creating better systems. And so, you know, through this, rather than just vent to my company of like, what the hell, um, X, Y, and Z, I can look to, okay, why don't we highlight the various issues, you know, so we'll, we'll list the issue. And here's my suggested solutions that still accomplish um, the goal of what we're trying to accomplish, right? I think that's a key component. Like, I'm not making it about me and being like, you know, um, here's the issue and, you know, moving forward, I won't do this. And it's like, that doesn't still get the job done, right? So very much keeping in mind, like, okay, what is the overall goal and the mission of, you know, the project and how can we do all these things to just make it a better experience for everybody, right? Um, and so, you know, that's kind of how I've been approaching it um, in that way, Um and we'll see how it's received. We'll see how ultimately it gets enacted. Um, but in that way, I also have the ability to then, you know, if I ever, one of the things I will say, like if I'm ever to fill in for the show, I'm simply not going to unless, I'll, you know, some of these things get addressed because it's untenable, it's unsustainable, and I just, I just won't, I just won't. Um, you know, so I, I'm gonna be drawing a boundary in that way. Um, we'll see how they respond to that, but, um, you know, it's certainly, I'm willing to fall on that sword, if you will, right? Um, especially, you know, again, I kind of have to really sit with and really write what I need to write in the correct way. And the correct way being taking any emotion out of it and really just, again, turning any pain I have into purpose. Uh, to be of benefit to the company ultimately, right? Because if I just make it, and, then, and that was the worst thing about in these past weeks, it's been, you know, I haven't been able to process essentially like the end of the year and really enjoy it. And then you're kind of tossed into the new year. And, you know, of course, then it's like, okay, here's the new year. Um, everyone wants you know, we all strive to have like our New Year's resolutions and like make adjustments. And this year kind of already just the stress level, the uh, sleep patterns and things of that nature have been like tossed aside. So it's not the ideal start to the year. 
Um, but again, you know, uh, I know I can adjust in the best way to just best way of doing it was just to get through it. Right. Um, but yeah, I, I noticed those tendencies in me of, you know, going towards negativity, um, when I know better and, you know, that, that, that was sort of my biggest frustration. That's why I want to really kind of just take a moment to, you know, sit with what I'm going to write to my company. So that way, um, again, it's not complaining, but it is a benefit, right? Um, which one of the things, um, you know, kind of just in the past weeks, um, has like stood out, um, from a lot of people, right. Um, is this idea of like, don't worry about it. I don't worry about it. And the reason that frustrates the hell out of me, as I realized, is because the idea of don't worry about it essentially means that I don't have to do it, right? Like at its core, if that's which, you know, that's what it should mean. Like, don't worry about it. But if I have to do something, that means technically I do have to worry about it. Um, and so don't tell it. So, um, you know, telling someone don't worry about it when they in fact do have to worry about it is the equivalent of saying like to a depressed person, like, oh, don't worry, it gets better. You know, of like, this will pass, blah, blah. And it's like, that doesn't help in that moment. Um, and I think when we talk about just working on ourselves in general, I think that that's a big part of it is how, like most people just don't even know how to communicate because we're so detached from that idea. And, and we try to be helpful, right? Like it's not, it's not that it's coming from a bad place, but unfortunately it is just like one of the worst things that you could say, because of course, you know, um, like for example, this, this show that I'm filling in for, it is the most demanding show, very specific show. And if in that way I didn't worry about it, it's not like they would just accept it. They would give me a ton of notes back and be like, this all needs to be fixed. So I do in fact have to worry about it. Um, and that's the aspect that, yeah, I think that's, that's the frustrating aspect of it. When someone says, don't worry about it. It's like, but you do want me to worry about it because I have to get it done. Um, so yeah, that's, uh, you know, something that I sort of identified and call BS on, um, in that way of like, no, you, and it's always interesting because yeah, you know, I think part of the adjustment for people in my life, you know, even just like various, like, like friends, for example, you know, I think they've gotten used to X, Y, and Z for me, but as I continue to evolve, you know, I have certain uh, standards that, that I need, you know, like nowadays, if someone wants me to do something, I need a lot more info than I would have in the past because number one, uh, my time is becoming so much more limited. And so the things that I say yes to versus the things that I say no to, like I have to be very specific and adjust my schedule accordingly and so forth. And, you know, um, it's been interesting to, you know, see people and they've been like, okay, well, I don't know this answer. I don't know. Like, I just need a yes or no. And it's like, and you know, for me, it's very much like, I can't give you a yes or no until I know these things. And if you can't give me those things, then unfortunately by default, it's going to be a no because, and, um, again, that, that's where like the idea of like, don't worry about it comes in. Cause let's say, 
you know, it's a, it's some sort of film shoot, right? So, you know, I'll be like, okay, well, where is it? Um, what do I need to bring? Um, stuff like that. And it's like, oh, well, it's uh, at seven and, uh, you know, just, just bring your camera and stuff like that. And it's like, okay, well, okay, what are we filming? Um, number one, uh, because that'll dictate, do I also need lobs? Do I need, blah, you know, just like, like at the end of the day, the reason I'm asking these questions is not just for me, but it's so that way I meet your expectations, right? Um, in that way. And, you know, saying it's at 7 p.m., like that doesn't help because it could be, you know, I live in LA and all of a sudden, let's say it's in San Francisco. Like what? You know, then I have to count for like essentially a six, seven hour drive just to get to San Francisco and back and blah, blah, blah. Um, also, you know, just in general, uh, I also tell, you know, like how and when do you want the footage? Because, you know, with my camera, the footage is huge. So, you know, uh, all that stuff, like essentially, and yeah, I, I ask these things because I want the experience for everybody to be as smooth as possible. And, um, you know, a lot of people in that way can have, can have a very, um, laissez-faire aspect of it. Um, and part of that is in the past, you know, yeah, it didn't matter to me because we could all figure it out. And after the fact, and, you know, it was like, okay, cool, here's what we need now. And then it would require me to, to do X, Y, and Z, but, but I could do that because I had the time. Now it's like, again, I need to account for that. So if you need me to do stuff with the footage, it's not just two hours of, of filming. Now it's also, I got to account for X, Y, and Z, you know, of conversion, uploads, transfers, whatever the case may be, um, in that way. And so, you know, ultimately I need to know for myself, but also so I can do it correctly for you, um, sort of a thing. And, um, you know, I think that's been a big shift in, in my life and, you know, I think it's not irk people, but, but yeah, I think people are used to a certain way of working, but, um, that doesn't mean again for me as I continue to upgrade, let's say, um, these are things that, uh, that I'm sticking by. And, um, again, ultimately the benefit is for everybody, not just for me. Um, that's what's kind of so interesting about it. So that covers primarily the pain into purpose of what I wanted to really highlight and so forth. But I also want to kind of touch upon other areas that uh, don't quite deal with that necessarily. But, um, but this first one perhaps does. And that's to kind of give you an update that, um, you know, if you haven't been following me on social media, um, that uh, before the end of the year, my dog, Chloe, um, I had to make a decision and... Um, uh, unfortunately she is no longer with us. Um, you know, um, it's kind of been interesting because, you know, she's, whenever I've done, uh, the videos of, of these episodes, she's kind of been a staple and always like walks in the background. And I've kind of seen the, um, you know, footage of, of her in that way. And it'll be interesting, you know, as time goes by, you know, that's just not going to be an ever present thing. And the reason I raise that is because, you know, I know a lot of people do have pets uh, and they mean a lot to them. And, you know, certainly for me, so I had Chloe and Sparky, you know, um, and Sparky passed away in 2020. And for a long time afterwards, obviously, it was just me and Chloe, you know, in that way. And, you know, um, 
I talked about it in 2021. She was kind of, she had um, just a bad neck and couldn't really move properly in the way. And then through a miracle, essentially, um, she returned back to normal, um, I, which I never thought would have been possible. And then, you know, so we got like another year and a half, essentially. But, um, you know, what had happened was she started having seizures. And, you know, we, at first we did the things we could um, as far as medication and, and procedure. And that tamed it for a little bit. But um, it just got to be too much. She was having like 12 seizures a day. Um, and, you know, the, the difficult aspect of it was, you know, in many ways I knew that she could kind of continue, you know, and push forward in that way. But I was like, to what end? Like, for what purpose? You know, it's just painful for her. She's disoriented. She doesn't know. And, you know, um, so I made that painful decision to, you know, essentially say, this isn't worth it for you. Um, and that's tough. You know, I, I, it's, a, it's a painful decision. Um, I'm grateful you know, one of the things I realized was, for me, it's never been a choice. Um, you know, they always ask you, do you want to be in the room as they're euthanized or not? And for me, it's never really a choice. Like, for me, I'm always going to be in there because, you know, whatever animal it is, I want them to know that they were loved right up until that final moment. And I don't, listen, you know, I don't, I understand it's a very painful thing. And so some people prefer not to, um, you know, to each their own, but for me, it's never really, it's not a choice. Um, but I had realized I'd never done it alone. You know, when, when Sparky passed, it was technically me and Chloe that uh, provided safe passage to him. And I'd never done it alone, you know, and I've, you know, for better or worse, you know, been at, at a lot of animals' end of life. You know, uh, there's Buzz and uh, Sparky. Um, Boomer, um, all these various animals. Um, so I had asked, um, you know, one of my friends to to show up, and you know, she brought another dear friend of mine um, who's actually allergic to animals, and but it just shows you how much, um, you know, he knew that this meant to me, and um, so I'm very grateful for that. And it's interesting, you know, because you know. Um, I think in many ways, you know, it's a very sad thought to think about. Um, it was a painful decision. And it was a painful moment for sure. But in many ways, I spent that day and I essentially pro processed it, right? Like I took the time to really grieve and look back on everything that we had. And then that was kind of, not that it was it and not that like there's not a readjustment period, you know, within my apartment and so forth and not having her but you know I look at all the stuff that I've done and you know um it's just kind of interesting where um yeah of course I'd love to have her with me still um but I also look at it I don't know I just you know there's so many things to life that I can't explain and so um you know Maybe I'm a fool, but I'd like to believe like there was no in between of her passing from my arms and, you know, being reunited with Sparky, who she loved, and then playing, right? You know, and so for her, the pain is over. Um, if anything, 
I'm the one left with the pain and the grief, right? And it's kind of interesting because all love stories end in tragedy, right? Um, and I use the term loosely, but of course, you know, even a couple that's, let's say in the traditional romantic sense, married for, you know, their whole lifetime, eventually one of them dies, leaving the other, you know? And that's why, like, many people say, you know, I, I we prefer to die at the same time sort of thing. So it's not painful for either one of us, but, you know, in this sense, uh, you know, uh, loss of a pet, you know, that is that is the end of a tragedy, uh, love story there, um, you know, friendships fade, you know, even if you don't become enemies, right? Like just, you know, all love stories in that way end in a tragedy. But I think that the term tragedy oftentimes can take on this um, more dark and sad meaning than it really needs to, of course, like grieve. And, but I think, um, you know, for me, Chloe was a dog that uh, always sort of lived in the present and, you know, was so joyous and so forth. And so that's the legacy that she leaves behind. And, you know, it's just a reminder again that our time on this earth is limited and to make the most of it um, in that way, you know, because we're not all going to be here forever and neither are people and we don't know when when, that, when the bell tolls for all of us. Um, which the dual nature of that thought then makes the moments that you do have more enjoyable because you know how precious they are. So, you know, that's kind of been a lesson for me for, for all of this. And I think, you know, I'm not quite... Like, for me, I'm not ready to take on another dog yet. Not because I wouldn't want to, but I think, um, you know, as I look at things, I think there's a, something bigger at play. And for me, you know, I want to you know, foster. I can um, dog sit for friends because I know the cost and the stress associated with that. Um, and, you know, that would be fun for me. Um, and then eventually, you know, um, I don't know. I'd like certainly taking care of two dogs for a number of years, essentially by myself in this apartment. Um, you know, that was, that was quite a lot. Um, and, you know, whatever sort of animal that I would want, you know, I would want like kind of just a partner and help with, you know, essentially. Um, because then it's like, we would be like collectively building something together and, you know, we would have, you know, we would be able to support each other in that way. Um, rather than just, cause it's a lot, it's a lot, you know, to, to care for things, um, you know, and that, whether it's an animal, um, certainly, uh, people who are caretakers to family members at whatever age they may be, you know, um, can relate to that. Like, yeah, you know, um, it can be a lot, but, uh, you know, um, we must enjoy the moments we all have with each other and, and so forth because nothing's guaranteed, unfortunately. So um, the next thing, this is kind of completely separate of anything that I've talked about thus far, but um, I got to thinking a lot about networking, right? It's always been a topic that's been interesting to me because I think many people conflate what networking really is and you know, it's this idea of like, oh, you go out to events and you schmooze and whatever, and then you'll get a job and blah, blah, um, Number one, I've always been a firm believer, like the best way to really network is to do the work. Um, 
you know, versus anything else. Like that's what ultimately people would be wanting you to do is to do the work. Um, and so like talking about doing the work isn't the same as actually having work. Um, but it's interesting, you know, and in that way, I, I kind of then thought about um, Tim Ferriss has this notion of just in case knowledge versus just in time knowledge. And just in case knowledge is this idea that like you're learning and trying to accumulate this wealth of information because someday you might need it. And it's not necessarily a bad thing, but um, in many ways it can be a wasted effort. Um, just in case knowledge or sorry, just-in-time knowledge is, you know, information that you learn when you need to. So, you know, like there's various aspects um, that I know I'm very curious on and would love to utilize, you know, like I have a basic understanding of X, Y, and Z and, and people try to be ben of, of benefit to me and throw me like articles in X, Y, and Z and I'm like, I'm not at that stage yet. You know, for example, with uh, this new project that I'm working on, um, it's a film project, and I really want it to be a Web3 project, you know, um, where it has an NFT component to it and, you know, really build a community around it. And my theory for a lot of it is, well, what if what if you made um, the NFT project like something people would actually want? Like, I, I think, you know, people are turned off by NFTs and Web3 in general because they think like there's a lack of quality. And I was like, well, what if you actually put in the effort and made something good, you know, and were able to attract an audience to that and made it worthwhile. So um, that's kind of been the crux of what I've been working towards. And, you know, when I always identified that as a goal, you know, people then, again, in, in a way to try to be beneficial and, you know, nothing against them, but they would send me like, you have to do read this, blah, 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 blah. And I was like, I appreciate it and you know I, I stored it in like uh, you know a collective document and I was like I'll, I'll turn to this when the time is needed because first for me it was like okay nothing happens without what what is the story you know and really getting to the crux of that like that to me is the primary thing that the foundation of of which everything from then is built upon and you know I will get to the other stuff as as I need to, right? And and I understand, like one of the good things that I always understand is the flow that something needs to take in order to happen and and when the right moments to trigger those, those things are, right? When to initiate them and start them. Um, so, you know, that, that, that's always been a big thing for me. And in that way, I, I, I kind of look at um, networking as an example of just in case versus just in time. So the idea of, you know, like the traditional side of networking, of going out to a bar and like being like, hey, you know, I'm Phil, blah, blah, blah. What do you do? What do you do? Um, it's very much like just in case. And therefore, it feels like a, you know, a waste of time, like networking for networking's sake, you know, um, which a lot of people do, you know, of just like this constant rotation of, you know, multiple days a week of like, hey, um, thinking that, that that's what's going get to get them ahead versus, you know, just in time is like the work and doing it. Um, 
you know? And, and then, like, when you do get invited to a friend's birthday party and stuff like that, or whatever the case may be, you know, game night, I don't know, whatever, then it's meaningful, and then you actually can talk about it meaningfully as opposed to just this conflated thing. Um, so I don't know. That's kind of the way I've been looking at uh, it in general. But overall, the the notion of, of networking, I think that the best way to really network is to have a showcase of work that you, can, you know, are able to, you know, that, that you do and, and work on on a consistent basis over time, you know. And it doesn't mean you have to, like, you know, have this insane amount, like, but just slowly chip away at it over time on a consistent basis. And then that's what people respect, you know. Um, so, and that's been my experience of it. Anyway, um, another aspect of the industry that, you know, um, kind of makes me laugh. And I was thinking about this because, you know, I, I, I'm working on a lot of podcasts and oftentimes podcasters interview other podcasters. And uh, for some reason, you know, the question or somehow the topic come, always comes up of, you know, that that they started their podcast. And someone will say, you know, yeah, I got I got into podcasting like four or five years ago when, you know, no one was really doing it. And it felt like so, such a great medium to uh, to tap into. And I laugh about that because now people now people think everyone's in podcasting, um, you know, as opposed to four or five years ago. Um, and so a couple of things. Number one, um, now a lot of people who would consider doing a podcast um don't sometimes because the idea of like, oh, everyone's doing a podcast. And first off, that's bullshit. Not everyone is doing a podcast, number one. Number two, who cares if everyone is doing a podcast? It's like saying, oh, well, you know, there's been musicians. People have written books. Uh, oh, you know what? No movie should ever be made because movies have already been made. It's like, no, you, you can have more <laughs> of this stuff out there. Like it doesn't ultimately detract. It's not, it doesn't have to be, you know, this idea of a zero sum game. So I think that's aspect number one. Number two, uh, the reason I bring it up, because it's interesting how little people sort of know about various industries that they get into, right? Because, and that's why ultimately I do laugh of the idea of like, oh, four or five years ago when no one was doing it. It's like, you don't know the history of podcasting, right? And um, because I got into it around 2011, give or take. And even then it was like, there was people doing podcasting and that I could stand on the, the shoulders of those people and, you know, build off of what they learned and did and so forth. So I think um, it's not that I'm frustrated or irked by it, but it's, it's just, it, it's like respect the industry. And I say that because, you know, for me, as I kind of made mention, I am wanting to do an NFT project and think um, I can do something really cool with it, right? Not just like this, 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 craze and jumping on a fad but i think there's you know something creative that i can put behind it and use it as a vehicle to express what i'm trying to do and build a community around that um no different than like you know people love star wars and they buy toys and books and stuff like that right and so you know for me to enter into that space meaningfully means to understand and respect that industry. You know, I'm at a very early inflection point of this, but I also know that I, it's not like I'm the first one to think of an uh, NFT project for a film. 
And so, you know, to claim that as a thing would be ridiculous. It, it, would, it would be untrue and it'd be hugely disrespectful. And yes, the NFT, <coughs> excuse me, like, I don't know the timeline of things. Maybe it's five years, maybe it's 10 years before it really becomes mainstreaming. You know, um, finally, like podcast now or like now you can consider them pretty much mainstream, but it took, a, you know, a good 10, 15 years to get to that point. I think NFTs could be a little bit faster, but, you know, I won't make that prediction like as a this is it sort of thing. Regardless, it's going to take time. And so relative to that, I'm at a very early point. However, again, there's a whole history um, to it. And for me to integrate and properly build my project, I have to know that side of it so that way I can build upon it and, and, and you know, um, not just ruffle feathers um, or that if I do, that it's with a purpose rather than unintentional. So um, I think, you know, beyond the, the, the real lesson of this is not just about like podcasts or whatever. It's you know, always if whatever sort of medium you're entering into, you know, really look at it and study it um, because that's important. And that's part of, you know, you could tie that back into like the just in time knowledge, you know, now I know now I'm entering this phase of it. And so I need to know these various things. And so I'm learning about those things. No different than like, you know, the, the film itself, I want to be animated, right? And I've always been a fan of animation. But now I have to really up that and, you know, um, and I have been, uh, okay, what's the process? What are the different, uh, you know, modes of working and, and the different uh, styles of animation and, you know, why pick this one over the other, right? So it's all these things that have to factor into it because, um, yeah, I think it's not just about respect, but also then it creates a better product in the end, right? Um, and I hate to use that word when it comes to creative stuff, but you know, you, you get what I'm saying in that way. So it's, it's, it's very interesting in, to me in that way. And, um, I think again, whatever, whatever you're sort of entering, having that, uh, reverent, reverence for, so that way, um, you know, you don't get yourself in trouble and, and, and things of that nature. It's no different than, you know, if you were writing a story, about World War II, you would kind of want to be as researched as you could about those various aspects of World War II, right? So anyway, there you go. Uh, the other sort of aspect to me that I was, I was thinking about over the break, um, you know, uh, the, the story that I've been kind of hinting at that I'm working on um, is very much a fantasy story. And as part of that, you know, I've been studying uh, just fantasy in general, right? And Lord of the Rings is certainly one of the most successful uh, stories of all of this. And so I was, I was re-watching um, the movies, but I watched the theatrical versions. Because for a long time, I'd watched the extended editions. And you know what? Um, it made me really fall in love with the movies again because... Um, I had watched the extended editions for so long. Um, and I think in many ways, those were the ones that like I grew up with rather than the theatrical versions. 
because my, you know, my friends were always so big into Lord of the Rings and that's what we kind of watched. And I, you know, I didn't really see them. I think I saw the two towers in theaters, but I, I didn't see Fellowship or uh, the Return of the King in theaters. Um, not that I wouldn't have wanted to, it's just, you know, a different time of my life. But anyway, the point being, you know, that's what I kind of grew up on and, and I never really latched onto it in the proper way. And part of it was I didn't, you know, now that I know storytelling and so forth, I'm like, I have a different appreciation for what Tolkien and, you know, by extension, Peter Jackson and his team did to bring that to life. But in watching the, the, the Lord of the Rings, the theatrical version, um, it got me thinking like, artists need brevity. You know, the reason why the theatrical versions work to me is because there's a pace to it. Um, you know, the, the inform like there's a reason why from this version, the scenes that are in the extended version or whatever they were cut, you know, whether it's be scenes or moments, um, because it creates a much better pace. Um, and you know, I listen to a lot of film podcasts and, and film review podcasts specifically. And many people talk about like the length of movies just being longer and longer. And I also see that with books, like, you know, it, it, when I look at some of the great classics, they're like 200 pages. Now, you know, most books are like 400 plus pages as like a starter. And, and it's just so interesting to me because, you know, as an artist, you want the maximum impact in the shortest amount of words, right? Um, and we've sort of gotten away from that. And, you know, I think Part of it could be like we're just trying to output more and more just to get it out there because of the pressures of the market. Um, part of it could be, you know, not learning the craft enough, uh, not having the confidence, um, not trusting of audiences that they'll get it if we take something out. Um, like it very, very much is interesting to me, but I think we need to get back to brevity as artists. And that's, you know, why for me, you know, I remember having a meeting with with a potential investor not too long ago um, for for this new project. And, you know, we were talking about my past projects and he was like, you know, um, just about the process and essentially came up of that I edit my own movies. And I could tell where this was going. And I was like, no, 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 I'm not like, like I am unafraid to, um, you know, essentially kill off darlings if it makes the project overall better. And so I'm very, you know, I, I, I get notes, I listen to notes. And I implement those notes. Like, I'm not precious about it. Like, you know, this audacious auteur of like, no, you can't just, this, this is my vision. And no, this is, this is how it's going to be. And he was like, okay, yeah, cool. I like that. Because I knew that was the crux of where this was headed. Um, because a lot of like indie artists kind of operate in that way. And I think it's unfortunately, you know, exploded into the mainstream of, of all of it. And yeah, we should strive. Like a lot of times I see a three hour movie and I'm like, this literally could have been two hours. Could have been two hours. There's no, you know, and it would have been so much better. Um, you know, movies that are two hours could have been 90 minutes. Um, it's always very interesting to me, but like we get so precious about it. And it's like, please stop. Like, you know, that old adage of um, destruction brings creation. Like we have to get rid of some, like when you take away stuff, um, it makes the message that's there all the more powerful. And yes, the Lord of the Rings, the theatrical versions, basically each of them is about three hours. Sure, Lord of the Rings is like 320, but overall, you know, I mean, 
it condensed a lot. And, you know, when you really look at it, like that thing flies and has a pace to it. And that's what makes it so enjoyable. And that's what made me really fall in love with, with those movies again um, for that specific reason, um, which was so great because, you know, after having watched the uh, extended editions, yeah, I, I wasn't really on board. But man, um, the theatrical versions were just so much better. And, and it got me thinking about this fact of why. Well, because of brevity, you know. So anyway, there's that. Um, I also want to talk about um, real quick before I get into some other stuff. Um, you know, I have my Patreon page, um, patreon.com slash philspeedtech. That's a way to support the work that I do. Um, there's only one tier. It's $10 a month. So everyone gets everything all the same. You know, I didn't want to have different tiers and some people to feel left out and so forth. Um, I share like various behind the scenes stuff there. Um, also, I do a monthly like uh, Q&A so we can do much more interactions um, in that way and, and have more direct contact. So that's kind of what I'm trying to develop and build with that. So, um, you know, feel free to check that out if that tickles your fancy. And Patreon's adding this thing where you can do a trial version. So um, once that becomes fully available, I'm going to utilize that and allow you essentially, I don't know, get like a month for free, let's say, um, so you can see what it's all about. Um, thank you for even considering it though, you know, um, it does mean a lot to me that you even just take the time for this free content to, uh, to, to listen and hope it does, you know, my goal is always to benefit you in the best of ways. Um, also to, um, you know, I talked about a lot of, you know, during the, this holiday season, you know, and stuff like that, how it's just been busy, busy, busy. And, um, which is why it's always great. Like, you know, when people out of nowhere, um, like there's this idea, right? Um, it's in this book called A Course of Miracles, but it's also in, you know, just a lot of, um, spiritual books, let's say this idea that miracles happen all the time around us. We're just too blind to see them. And what's been interesting you know, in the moments of, I don't know, I'll just conflate it and say despair and darkness and so forth. Um, there's been amazing people that have unexpectedly been a pick me up, <laughs> you know, um, like, you know, we were just able to connect and, you know, chat and so forth. And just, and through doing that, it's not that anyone like went above and beyond and did anything ultimately special, but in those moments, like it was just, the light and the energy that they brought that I needed, you know, it was just really cool in that aspect, you know? Um, and, uh, yeah. Um, you know, part of me wants to shout them out because of, because it's a great thing. Right. And it, and it's also goes along with my goal of good gossiping, meaning good, you know, we tend to like gossip and it tends to be negative about people, but good gossiping is uh, highlighting the good aspects of any one particular person or persons. Um, but also, you know, I know um, some of this stuff is uh, a little bit more private, so um, I don't want to uh, besmirch that. So I'm this, this is middle ground. So I'm just going to be safe and not kind of mention their names. But, um, but yeah, you know, it was kind of a slew of people that just unexpectedly, and again, a few of them wouldn't even necessarily know like how much of a pick-me-up they were for me. Um, 
But I think it just goes to show the impact we can have on one another, you know, and I've certainly been on the other side of it. Um, you know, in particular, like, I'll, I'll, I'll use this kind of example from Will Smith, which I know um, some people are hit or miss on Will Smith, especially after the, um, the slap. But, you know, I, listen, we all have good actions that we take and we have bad actions that we take. That wasn't a good action on his part, but this aspect of it, you know, Whenever he interacts with his fans, he has this philosophy. Like, for him, it's only five seconds, and, you know, he'll move on with his day. And, you know, as much as he will want to, like, cherish that moment, it just he won't be able to, right? But for that one person, that five-second interaction, they will carry with them for a lifetime. And so he puts in his entire presence into that five seconds to make sure that they are seen and heard and respected um, and so forth. And, you know, I think... Um, the good aspect and, and the thing that each of these people had in common was that idea of just showing respect, being present in the moment and so forth. And so when we talk about, you know, kind of tying it back to one of the first things that I said, the real goal of self-help being so we can heal others, right? They were in a state of joy and confidence. Um, and because of that, you know, it just translated in such a such a way where um, it was a pick me up, and for me, you know, I, you know, even in various moments where I didn't think I had an impact, I know I've had because people have told me so, and I'm like, huh, really? I didn't, you know, that just I don't, you know, and sometimes it's not that I necessarily tell them that, but it, it, it's many times like I don't even remember doing that, you know. To me, that was just like essentially a throwaway of like, well, of course, that was just the right thing to do. Um, but it meant so much to them. And that's what's so beautiful about this world. And, and, and if we can just you know, have that sort of empathy and humanity for each other, then it starts to heal the collective. And we don't even know like the depth, the width of what we're capable of at any one moment, um, which is why I'm so, so like stringent on this idea. Like forget about the length of life. We talk about the length of life, you know, how long someone will live. Let's talk about the width of life. And this is how we get there is just, you know, yeah, recognizing and, and, and you know, um, as David Foster Wallace says, you know, the true kind of freedom is being able to be there for other people in a myriad of unsexy and petty ways every single day. You know, that is real freedom. And, you know, that's, that's, that's why, that's when we talk about pain and the purpose, that's what I'm talking about. So anyway, um, two kind of more things that I want to highlight, you know, um, it was funny, um, so few artists kind of get to the point, you know, execu like execution, everyone has an idea, but execution is the hard part. And that's why when people do execute, regardless of the result, I'm so congl congratulatory because I know what it means. And I, and, um, you know, I was talking with a friend who's also at like the tail end of like, just finally being done with this movie because you, you, like, regardless of whatever artistic project it is, I'm going to be talking about filmmaking, but it applies to books, it applies to mu uh, music, it applies to, you know, poetry and painting and yada, 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 right? But this idea, so with a movie, you think, like, you know, as an indie filmmaker, that you shoot the movie, you edit the movie, and then that's kind of it. You know, you go to, you submit it to festivals and yada, yada. Like, the last phase of it, it just feels like there's always one more task that you have to complete. And I was I was talking about with my friend Edgar, who's the sound designer on this movie, 
and one of my best friends, you know, um, we were just saying like, listen, I'm at the phase with this movie because we, we had to do like kind of um, technical um, fixes to it, right? Like whatever, just getting the audio um, to a level specific for, you know, the various platforms because every platform has a different specification. And I was like, listen, let's just get this done, you know, because, and I, I was like, I know you're at this phase too of like, I never want to open up the editing software to export out this movie again. Like I am so done with this. All I want to do is now, you know, be invited to interviews to talk about it, come to a screening and enjoy it with people. And like, that's it. Like, but creatively I am like, I am done with this movie and, and, and wanted to move on. And he was joking. Like, he was like, yeah, th- um, this movie it, it needs to move out and get its own apartment. <laughs> um, and that's what it often feels like. But um, you, you have to just get to that finish line, um, which seemingly, you know, I mean, that that's kind of what breaks a lot of artists, unfortunately, is, is that finish line is uh, far away, you know, oftentimes. Like there's so many little specifications that you need to go through, as I said, in all of these things, you know, whether it is, painting you know like the painting side you can consider of like art gallery stuff and you know uh, selling it online or whatever the case may be right music can be like mastering it and and putting up on various places like you know and marketing and so forth like it just always seems like there's another step to this damn project and when it's like you're just so ready to move on but you have to go through those steps and so I said you know with my friend Edgar I was like listen Let's just do it. Like, let's just let's just get it done, have it off the table, and then that's it. Like, then moving forward, yes, it'll just be interviews and screenings and just the enjoyable stuff, but never again will you have to open up, you know, Pro Tools and I'm not doing, like, that's it. We're done. <laughs> so, um, you know, uh, yeah, just it's good to be at that final stage. The final thing I, you know... Uh, want to talk about that isn't really related to me, but I, I, I draw inspiration from. Um, and I think it, I want to share because I think it's beneficial to people. Um, is So I have, I have this friend named Stefan, uh, Stefan Wallace, amazing, amazing guy. And um, not only is he an amazing commercial actor, but um, he, he has a big heart and has always done a lot for charity. You know, so... I've known him so many years at this point, probably like 10, maybe more. And ever since I've known him, he always has been delivering food to um, people, homeless people at Skid Row. And, you know, even when we had like nothing, like he was always putting his heart and soul into this and it just built and built and built. Now he's partnered with Target to be able to do this. And, And like, I'm so proud of him for doing that, right? Um, again, talk about like the idea of healing others and just you know slow and consistent uh, building into something large. But the most beautiful aspect to me is he has this beautiful young daughter, um, and he's he's like integrated her into his way of life as far as this, and that to me is like such a beautiful thing of um, just instilling good values. Um, into kids you know like like for example they bag now 
with Target, like they're able to do a lot more. And so they bag like toothpaste and toothbrushes and, you know, she's right there, you know, putting the stuff into the little bags and it's just so beautiful and she's so joyous and happy to do it, you know? And, um, I think that's awesome, you know? Um, yeah. So I'm really inspired by that and for whatever it's worth, if you have kids and stuff like that, um, you know, just integrating, making them a part of these things that you want to instill and, and, and showing the, the benefit of all of it. Um, I think there's no better way. Also, just one final thing. If you are a parent, um, so I am a board member on this nonprofit called Financially Fit Foundation. And one of the things through the foundation that I, that I learned was that there's this thing called Plan 529. And it's essentially a college savings um, tool um, that's, that, that allows you to save money without having to pay taxes. Um, and most families don't know about it. And so I wanted to kind of, you know, I don't know too, too much about it because I don't have kids and, you know, haven't, again, when I talk about like just in time versus just in case knowledge, um, you know, right now I know this bit of information, um, but because I don't need it, it's not a just in time thing for me quite yet. Um, but I wanted to share it um, because like it's a legitimate program and you can look into it and um, I think it could be a benefit. So um, yeah, just want to kind of share that. Um, I know this has been a lengthy episode, but I, I appreciate you. Um, I, I haven't really done too many of these um, just because again, I've been kind of busy and stuff like that. And so I kind of want to make up for lost time in that way. So thank you for sticking with me and hope you got something out of it. As always, please share your thoughts and um, questions down below um, or suggestions for future episodes stuff you want answered you know I'd love to kind of address that anyway thank you so much truly do appreciate you and hope to see you next time